0: Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Can you hear me? I can. How are you? I'm doing truly, truly amazing. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm doing okay. You're my first
1: appointment of the day. Me too. Me too. (laughs) I'm just waking up. I'm, not, I'm in the East Coast, but I always say I'm on West. I work on West Coast time because it's the, it's the easiest one to serve everybody. Like I have clients right around the world. So I'm on East Coast, West Coast, and it's not up at five in the morning talking to Africa in their morning. and <laughs> So I'm all over the place. I'm on the East Coast. I'm in New Jersey,
0: so I, I totally get it. And sometimes the time differences, especially like Australia, just kind of just throws me oh, yeah. throws me for a loop. So, guys, welcome to Vertical Momentum, guys. This is going to be a great episode. Um, we were on a, a, a couple-day hiatus, and I had to figure out what kind of amazing guest can I have that's going to start blowing up the show and <laughs> <laughs> kept coming up. So, uh, if you have a business, if you are any questions about public relations, we're going to get into because it's something that I, I truly enjoy talking about branding also same thing but this young lady is her new book is going to come out i can't wait for that book to come out Um, i'm excited about that she's changed the world and she's actually and i can't believe it when i read this but i was so excited to read it that she actually helped an innocent man off of death row and i can't wait or innocent inmate off of death row I can't wait
1: to talk about that. So, Tracy, how are you doing today? I am, I am very good. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you so much for mentioning that. The case of Jimmy Dennis, he's absolutely factually innocent. And that was a good 20 years of our life and my husband and myself. And it's what actually led us to become publicists, even though that wasn't what we thought at the time. And these days he's actually free and he's a recording artist, an R&B artist. So it's an amazing, amazing story. It's yeah, you know, something that I'm really proud of. So give us a little background
0: on you, where you're from, and then we'll hop on into what you're doing now.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm in Toronto. I'm a, in Toronto girl. I'm in Hamilton now, 40 minutes uh- down the highway from Toronto, so I'm up in the, up in Canada through COVID. <laughs> when it's not COVID, I'm all over the place. I was all over America in uh, 2019, from Los Angeles to to Vegas, to Ohio, to Washington D.C. on different work projects. But you know, I'm up here for now <laughs> until until border travel is cool again. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm an international award-winning publicist now, working across borders and across industries. And it all started, you know, 25 years ago when I was an entry-level sales rep, uh, myself and my husband started, um, were activists, were young activists, and we learned about the case of Jimmy Dennis, um, learned how to write press release, got media attention for that. And about 10 years after that, it suddenly hit us, hey, you know, we could probably um, use the skills that we built doing that into actually a career doing messaging for other people. So that's how we got where we are today.
0: Now, you know, it's pretty amazing. You know, a lot of people think that it's hard to get on a a lot of different press. And it's really not. It's just, you know, I mean, especially now that we got news channels that are 24 hours a day, you know, so hungry for content.
1: A million different platforms.
0: Yeah. But you just have to, you can't be, excuse my language, I try not to curse on my show, but you can't (laughs) be that a-hole that just like, hey. Come interview me, and you know. Yeah. Then they hear crickets when they get yeah. no responses. So talk to us a little bit about that, because you know we're we are in a modern day where you know podcasts and and yeah. different new platforms. But I think <clears throat> old school of treating people good and building relationships still works. So what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to media, I, I'm old school media girl, I start with, you know, me, people come to me, and I'm thinking radio, television, newspapers, magazines, and then also, of course, new media, you know, your your mainstream blogs, like Huffington Post, and podcasts are huge. And it's funny, when I, I was always obviously setting my clients on podcasts, but when I started doing podcasts myself, and I've been on over 180 of them in the last year on, you know, business, on entrepreneurship, on leadership, on authenticity in business, and mostly on media messaging, and how to get get your, you know, out of build. Your, your your brand and your reputation for thought leadership across any industry um, and I, what I've noticed and sure, you mentioned podcasts podcasts are extremely effective I first came on them thinking about them as another media you know which they are obviously you know radio, TV like I said newspaper and podcasts but also podcasts have developed in 2020 and 2021 into a, a whole new beast a hybrid media so not only are they doing for you what media will do for you and what marketing will do for you but they're also so huge. I mean, I can't express enough how huge it is when it comes to the networking. That is actually important, you know, for your business to survive in this uh, in this you know, new new landscape that we're working in. So marketing, media, and networking is all what we find in doing podcast guest appearances. So yeah, those are huge. But even in terms of accessing mainstream media, people think it's a mystery or they don't know how to do it. And there's all kinds of little tips and tricks. It's not all about the press release, which is, you know, putting together your messaging and, you have to understand the difference between editorial and advertorial, which is why a lot of business owners don't understand why they don't get any play in the media, because you you can't approach the newsroom the way you would approach an ad department. It's not like that. You, ha- you have to consider yourself as a source providing valuable information to the, the audience of that newsroom. That's, what, that's the only way they're going to be looking at you, um, if it's just... Oh hey, I, you know I opened a new business. Hey, come on down and you know you you don't. That's where where entrepreneurs eighty to ninety percent of entrepreneurs don't have an understanding of how media works and how to reach out to those newsroom um, and and editors and that's where they get kind of lost in the shuffle. You have to understand the difference between editorial and advertorial. That's the huge, huge, huge thing. Okay,
0: so now because like I'm I'm a newbie to this, I'm not yeah. to podcasting but to the
1: in the whole PR world. So tell yeah. that. Tell us what the difference is. So editorial, or sorry, advertorial is what you're thinking of already. You know, we're as entrepreneurs, we know about our product, why we're better than the next guy, what you want to tell your customers. All that stuff is advertorial. Editorial is an actual story. So either telling your story, you know, your brand story, but again, your 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 personal story may be a, a story that you can get in the media or topical. Say you have an expertise. Um, you hear something in the news and based on your business expertise, you turn around to your friend and say, oh boy, you know that, blah, blah, blah. Well, that might be uh, because you know information that you have that other people don't have so when you see a story about it you you spark the thought that thought could be the basis of a topical press release topical press releases where media is already talking about something they're likely to continue talking about it and they need a new voice or a new perspective so if you're able to comment on something based on you know some verifiable expertise quite often you can just reach out and be like hey you know saw that story about red hats you know this is what I know about red hats <laughs> I'm just naming a product, it wouldn't be a product. I should have said an example more. But um that would be a topical release where something is already going on in the news, you have an angle on it based on whoever you are or what your expertise is. You let them know and then you become uh, you know valuable to the editorial aspect of the story because you're you're helping them to continue to move forward a piece that they have to talk about. Um, another way of looking at it is Uh, think about when you think, when you think about a story you might want to place in a newspaper as an entrepreneur or on the, 22-minute news broadcast. Think about, is that actually the kind of thing I would expect to see in a 22-minute news broadcast? Or is it more the kind of thing I might see, maybe not on page A1, A2, or A3, you know, where the major international news is, but might I see a story like mine on page A18? Or would it be more likely to be in the lifestyle department or something like that? So when you think like that, you'll you'll get a better idea and edit yourself of where who you should actually be contacting. So the newsroom is not, you know, the newsroom, the editorial board, the magazine, they're not the advertising department. They're not there just to, you know, promote your business. If you're approaching them, you have to have something that's actually of value to them. So you have to be thinking like a news department, not like a, an entrepreneur.
0: You know, I love that. And, I, and I, I tell a lot of people that, you know, that facts will tell, but a story will sell. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, You know, everybody loves a story, you know, um, like like mine is, you know, I've come back from drug addiction, alcoholism, Mm. homelessness, PTSD, traumatic brain injury and now blindness uh, to come back and still be able to do what I do. But if I would just tell somebody, hey, we got the top rated, one of the top rated podcasts in the world, come listen to us. They would probably just like, all right, just put this one at the bottom of the at the at the bottom of the pile. So, you know, I, I know there are a lot of, you know, because this is go, you go out to a lot of veterans and entrepreneurs and sometimes both, you know, a lot of guys will put out or girls will put out a press release and it gets buried quick. What are yeah. some of the things that they can do to make your make
1: your um, press release pop? So the key, number one, is the subject line. doesn't matter how great your press release is. If that header, that which is the email subject line, if you're sending it by email, it doesn't pop, nobody's opening your release. Think about the way you use your own e- I was just writing about this in my book. Think about the way you use your own email. We do not open up every email that hits our email box. You add it before you even click on the email, and you decide, oh, I don't know what that is. And delete, delete, delete. That's not something. Delete, delete, delete. And then you open up the ones you care about. So think how much more a newsroom does that when they get 900, emails a day most of which are not going to be of interest to them they are not opening up every single one to look for that hidden news story they're looking the way you do you know and judging by the subject line so your subject line has to have your who what where why your subject line has to have your catch it has to really get them or they're not opening the rest up to see your beautiful email right other points to that is um, a press release should only have one main idea. You don't want to overwhelm them. They should, you don't ever want them to question, wait, what's the story here? Wait, what are you telling me? It's a one concept, one pager is, is for the win. And, um, and another, another good key is I don't like to send, I don't send them out in bulk. I find it's most effective to take a few hours and actually send it out specifically to the like, t- target specific reporters and, you know, make the header, hi, Bob here's a great story I thought you'd like for immediate release instead of just, you know, for immediate release, blah, blah, blah. So those are some things that I found work, you know, actually targeting it. I mean, not obviously you're going to be sending it, and you're not going to send to every single reporter, hi, Bob. But I mean, your targeted ones. Find a few targeted ones. Find 20 that you think might really take it and actually, you know, approach them personally and tell them why you think this is a good story for them. Uh, Other ways, if you have something that might really be something that they'd be excited about, (laughs) that it might actually be something where they Want an exclusive, reach out to one for you know, one TV station or one radio station first in your town, mostly TV that wants exclusive, not radio and and see and suggest to them and let them you know say no before you go to the next one because sometimes so you want to usually usually you want to blanket it widely sometimes like with an op-ed for example with a newspaper you have to pick one if you want to be in the new york times with that original op-ed you know piece of writing you're not going to get that in you know The the Houston Chronicle. It's got to be one or the other. So when you're doing like an op-ed piece suggesting an article to a newspaper, you have to send it to them and then you wait five to 10 days, which is really frustrating, especially if it's something timely till they approve it or deny it. Usually it'll be quicker if it's something timely, and then if they say no, you go on to the next one. So those are mainstream media. But as you said, there's you know with this media world that we live in now, there's a million platforms that where you can start literally today, and you don't just start with the press release. You can go to there's a bunch of services that publicists use that you you know may, that that entrepreneurs can try to use if they figure out sort of those the things like the pitch and the difference between, like we said, editorial and, and uh, advertorial, then they can go and use services like we use free services, like help a reporter out, like source bottle, like podcast matchmaker, and, and um, a pod match and, you know, all those different things to connect you with media sources and the first ones i mentioned um help a reporter out in source bottle those are things where reporters for everything you can think of from readers digest from oprah.com from the new york you know, new yorker um new york magazine everything you can think of when they're under deadline they go there so you'll have a reporter on there and these come in three times a day you know with the deadline of three o'clock uh tuesday for readers (laughs) digest i'm looking for uh, real estate agents who can talk about blah 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 i'm looking for entrepreneurs who can talk about mindset i'm looking for so literally all the media uses these sources because as you said it's a different world these days everybody's not you know going down to the, the restaurant to meet their sources anymore it's all on electronic so we all have access to a lot more than we would have before so there's all kinds of um Little tips and tricks you can take advantage of as an entrepreneur. If you have more time than money, you know to figure out some of the stuff yourself. But if you're if you're um, if you've already got a marketing budget and you're doing pretty well and you haven't utilized PR, it's really worth thinking about. Especially when you consider that while eighty to ninety percent of entrepreneurs don't think about this, there's not one corporation or major company in the world that doesn't have a PR slash communications department. So right there, that shows you what a disadvantage. Um you know entrepreneurs are putting themselves out when they're not considering ER. you know and i and I love that
0: and I actually i love um, help a reporter out um mm-hmm. it, it, when I first started uh, somebody told me about mm-hmm. it, and you know, I got some you know uh, letters you know some some things that were published, and I think that helps you make makes you an authority you know because a lot of people don't realize that you know the word author is just short for authority and you yeah. uh, a lot of people you know like you said it's a free service and and like once you get quoted one thing or two things it seems
1: like everything opens up to you exactly it's like i mean like now i started with you know one or two podcasts five articles now i've got like there's like 50 articles about me or not 50 maybe 20 there's like i've literally been on over 180 i'm losing count i have no idea and now so now when i pitch myself or when i say hey you know, you should interview me for this or you quote me on this article or whatever. And they see like 180 other reporters who did before. Well, now I'm like a business celebrity to people and everybody quotes me. So it's literally just a matter of putting in the time, putting in the, and that's, and that, and that is hugely valuable. It's not just an ego trip. And the way that matters in business is obvious, you know, for the obvious, it you know, better than advertising because it does the same thing as advertising, except for that third party credibility where somebody else is saying it about you, you're not buying it and you can't buy it. Right. But also, um, just the, the, so that credibility and what else was I going to say? The, uh, just the understanding of what you do, people, you know, oh yeah. So for customers to, you know, to, to choose you over somebody else, for example, or, or to differentiate yourself from the competitor. But what's really been brought to my attention recently, even beyond that is when I had a client who was in um, funding phase, they had just gone through, or they were going through their pre-seed funding and now they're going into their seed funding and they got, they made half a million dollars in pre-seed. Now they're up for their, you know, looking for three or four in seed. And she literally said to me after six weeks of working together, you've changed my life and my, or my business in my life. And when I was like, I talk about this in a lot because it's, you know, it's indicative of what it can do. <clears throat> and when I said, what do you mean? She said, well, um, you've made investors take us more seriously, which is huge. Cause that we're talking real money there. We're talking the difference between your business going and not going, you know? So People dropping a million dollars on you because they saw a few articles and they see that you're getting international attention and this one's talking to you and that one's up. so basically it just brings the credibility of what you're saying, you know, to the fore. And my job as a publicist is to is to build up that person, not to sell their product. That's their job or the marketing or sales department's job. I have nothing to do with that. My job is to build them up so when they open their mouth to sell their product or to build their brand or whatever else people listen and they have that gravitas behind them.
0: Yeah. And I, I truly love that. And, and I think a lot of thing what, you, what you're talking about is branding, you know, mm-hmm. personal branding. Like I was, you know, talking to Gary, you know, Gary V and we were talking about um, just branding about how you, you are your brand like say you know in, in in the united states you know michael jordan is godlike and yeah and if you know if he showed up one day wearing a an adidas outfit with wearing adidas shoes everybody would lose their mind because he is known as yeah. jordan <laughs> yeah for nike yeah but he's he's had a message for what over 30 40 years now but it's a consistent message do you see a lot of problems where a lot of companies don't have consistent messaging?
1: Um, you mean bigger companies? The, the bigger brands seem to be pretty good on the consistent messaging. Smaller companies are brand, they're not, I don't know if they always, along the same lines, they, they think about their marketing. But again, I don't think they have a PR component. So they don't really think about that side or the, you know, how I mean, they're similar, but they're different too. So I see. I think if more entrepreneurs really were thinking about the PR component, they would have, that would be less of a problem because you know their marketing departments and their and their PR person or PR um, worker would be working together more, you know, more consistently and more and and uh, across the board across platforms, they'd have a more consistent message.
0: Okay. Now I have a question. You know, because not, thank you. And by the way, I just want to say thank you so much. For spending time with me and hanging out, I truly appreciate you. Oh
1: no, thank you. I appreciate it too.
0: But you know, a lot of people I've ran into uh, because, like I said, I've been—I was in the general in the health and fitness industry for over thirty-two years. And when I first started out, everything was magazine, um, newspaper, and now everything Mm -hmm. is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and sometimes you'll see you know see these old school publicists well and they're still thinking well we're going to do it the old school way where Yeah. unfortunately if you ever have a company that says well it's just the way we always done it yeah you know? like Radio Shack, you're going to be out of business soon.
1: exactly. (laughs) Or even people who don't, you know, they're they're just always, maybe they've only done a little advertising, a little marketing, whatever, and they just don't, you know, they don't think about social media or media media at all, or any kind of presence. They're just doing their job, which is fine. And, you know, I'm sure your customers love you and you're doing an amazing job, but the the guy, you know, your competitor who may not even be doing as good a job as you, if he's acing so media and i mean you know mainstream media and social media and whatever then he's going to be he's moving forward and you're falling behind it doesn't matter if you don't see it yet in your business you are and so people honestly they they cannot we are just not in the landscape anymore where you can you can work the way you did 20 years ago yeah you, ha- you have to have a presence building your brand and having a media presence is huge for business today I know that can be intimidating for some people who are who just want to do their thing and they don't you know they're shy or maybe they don't feel like they can they can have a media presence there's different ways to have a media presence you don't have to be you know with bright red hair like me on radio and TV say hey look at me you can like we were talking about Harold. those help a reporter out in most in most instances with that, getting quoted in Reader's Digest, New York Times, New Yorker, all those ones we mentioned, and I'm sure you and some hugely high-profile ones too, you probably didn't even talk to a reporter half the time. It's all by email. Yeah. You know, they send the questions, you respond to the questions, done, boom, you're in, the, you're in good housekeeping. So there, it's, sometimes it's like that, and quite often it's just it's not even where you have to be verbally talking to somebody. So there are a whole bunch of opportunities to everybody's comfort level.
0: Now, you know, I've also noticed that, you know, a lot of people when they start a you know business and they they try to go um, to all the mainstream media, but they kind of ignore their local warm market. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that sometimes it's the local TV that will put something out and then all of a sudden
1: it'll go viral and it'll go everywhere. Absolutely. And people have to think small and large, too. Like, some people think you have to start small, other people think you have to, you know, it, it goes both ways. You don't, I mean, by starting small, you don't just start with a podcast, you can start with television, you're, you're, you know, your mainstream TV, big or small, you can start with your low, but like you said, local is amazing. Local weekly, your local TV, your local weekly paper, as opposed to your daily, those have a mandate, specifically a community mandate to report on the community. So, um there's a lot there is a lot lower bar for you know what you have to be doing newsworthy in order to get on there um local newspapers are really good places for quote unquote puff pieces as well not newspaper sorry you know local business press local weekly local monthly magazines that a lot of cities have those are really good places for uh, not necessarily a news story but a profile of an executive that's where you can get that sort of profile and your story out there um I, I like to tell the story too. You can sometimes go really big, like it, whether big or small. People think you have to go, um, people think you should ignore the small, number one. No. <laughs> I, I'm a hugely high profile publicist. I, my time is, you know, to the minute and yet I'll do a small podcast just as much as I'll do a big giant one I don't care so much about the list, the number of listeners today as I do about the format, if the format is, is on brand, if it's well done and professional and the format is on brand, something that has 20 listeners today in terms of a podcast could have 2,000 listeners tomorrow it's not like radio and TV where the segment goes out and, and then it's done with a podcast, you know, the listenership continues to grow as they build their podcast, new listeners come in and Listen to previous episodes, and so it, it's not a matter of you know twenty people to That's it, and also the I always this is really interesting. The guy who invented one of the pod match, sir, I think it was pod or maybe matchmaker. I don't know. He was interviewed on a podcast the week before I was interviewed on a business podcast, and the podcaster told me that he had made a really good point. They were saying in terms of audience. Most business people, most entrepreneurs, if you said to them, hey, I'm having an event in town tomorrow and we're gonna have 30, 40 people there, did you wanna come on stage and talk about your product? Most business people would be like, yeah, for sure. But if it's a podcast and there's only 50 people, they think, oh no, there's no point. Sure there is, like I said. And the bigger point is not, that for me as a publicist, I'll tell my clients, it's not even so much the audience that gets that hears it you know, initially it's about the fact that you would now have that link that you can put on your page and also the seo when it, when people search your name other people are saying great things about you there's other there's you know that credibility about that third party credibility again so it doesn't matter if it's small or large and the other token you don't it doesn't necessarily have to be small either i had a client I still have her now. Years later, twenty six years old, she had been in zero media. She's a life coach, and you know she's amazing. But but on paper, there was not much of the time to separate her from any other life coach, right? So she was like, you know, how can I differentiate myself? And she thought if she started to share her personal story, then it would, you know, people would see what she had been through and that they would want her to work with them. So she reached out to me and she wanted to share her story of a successful life in spite of bipolar. So literally the next day, I found a reporter at Good Housekeeping magazine who was doing a, a piece on women with bipolar who are willing to speak out about it. We got her in that print issue of Good Housekeeping, the print issue, 150-year-old iconic magazine. And that was her first you know, step out of the gate, a cover story. She wasn't a picture on the cover, but the article was mentioned on the cover. I am not my mental illness. And so now, literally, for the last year and a half, anything we want to put her in from from, um, anything talking about mental illness or inspiration or life coaching or, you know, getting above blah, 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 all that stuff, they all interview her as seen in Good Housekeeping. It's that, you know, so and that was her first thing off the gate. She had literally no media experience. So it can be small. It can be big. You you just have it just pitch, pitch widely. Life's a pitch. You never know what's going to work.
0: I love that. And, you know, and it seems like once you start getting some traction, because um, like I interviewed a gentleman and now he's become a friend. His name is Steven Sims. Um, Steve Sims is, you know, he's a you know seven, eight figure earner. But, you know, he does a lot of podcasts and and he doesn't ever share them, you know, because he's on like eight, ten a day. So yeah. it's like he doesn't really share them. And uh, one of my friends, who's a friend of his, says, don't ask him about the Elton John thing. And I'm like, uh, okay. So I didn't <laughs> ask him. You know, I and I actually went, like, really deep into his past and started asking him stuff that he was never asked on a podcast.
1: Oh, that's nice. People, we like that when that happens. Because, yeah, once you start doing a million of them, you're like, oh, my God, I'm boring. It's all the same questions, right? <laughs> you're like, <laughs> So he said, you know, in the beginning, he's
0: like, oh, all right, Rich. He's like, I got 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, cool. So we started talking, and then we get to the 30-minute mark, and I'm like, Steve, I know you got to go. I appreciate you. He's like, no, no, let's hang out and talk a little bit. Let me tell you about <laughs> Elton John. I'm like, wait a minute. I was not supposed to ask you about Elton John. Now you- <laughs> So, you know, talk to us about, you know, like your story. I want to get into it is the thing that interested me the most i mean i love the pr stuff i love all that but the story about the gentleman on death row is what really interested me yeah and and a lot of people when they you know they only go for the things that that are going to make headlines but they don't go for the deep stuff you know what i'm saying yeah yeah so so talk about that a little bit you know going to you like as you'll you see a lot on linkedin i'm big on linkedin but usually after you're getting a connection request, like 30 seconds later, you're getting pitched and you're like, all right, can you date me a little bit? Before I know, you... right? Oh, yeah. my God, I know. That annoys me so much. <laughs> you know, it's like, after, wow, you I... after you date me a few times. So can you talk <laughs> about, you know, building relationships and how relationship capital is so
1: important? Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned LinkedIn because I, I rarely need to prospect anymore. Like now I have, you know, literally 90% of my business is um, referral or repeat customers. So I'm not often having a prospect. But if I, if I am in LinkedIn and I see an interesting project once in a while, I'll message someone. Or like, you know, once in a while, I'm like, oh, let me go see, I need to pop something up and let me go see what I can find. It, it's pretty rare these days, but I used to do it regularly in LinkedIn prospecting. And, you know, I've had so much success. It's funny because I have never bought anything or 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 signed up for a service where somebody has messaged me on LinkedIn because they're usually so clumsy, like you said, right. And, but yet I literally, if I send 20 messages mm-hmm. today, and this is rare that I do this, but if I, if I decide, hey, I'm going to go find a new job, a new prospect, right? If I go send 20 messages right now on LinkedIn, I guarantee you I'm going to have two new clients tomorrow. because And that's consistent, or, or at least next week or whenever we talk. Because when I prospect on LinkedIn, I go, uh, number one, I, I have 17,000 people on my LinkedIn. Most of them have added me or I've added them over the years not to prospect them just to have them. You know, I have them there. We talk once in a while. Most of them I haven't necessarily talked to, but they're there on my LinkedIn for however long. And when I reach out to them, it's a personal message. You know, it's not some clumsy cut and paste. I've even told people off for their clumsy cut and paste. I'm like, you know, I don't want to be mean, but as a publicist, this is a really this is a really clumsy outreach, (laughs) you know, you should be a little, like I've had on LinkedIn, people message me and I'm, if you even look at my my profile for a second, you know, I'm not in a nine to five job. I own my own company. It's clear. And yet I get messages from LinkedIn. Oh, uh, you want to work from home? Sick of the nine to five contact me. I can help you. You know, (laughs) Or like, you know, or once I had a publicist message me, And I thought they were. At first, I didn't realize they were. They're messaging me, oh, do I want? Let's talk about um, PR for business or something like that. And so I said, okay, let's book a time. I thought they were messaging me for PR. And so we we're booking the time or whatever. Then something they said, I'm like, wait a minute, you're looking for PR, right? She's like, oh no, I provide PR. And I'm like, you didn't click on my page and LinkedIn where you contacted me and see that I'm literally an international award-winning publicist working across industries. And this is something like local junior publicist trying to find some work. It's that whole Spray and spray thing. You know what I mean. I'm like, man, you've got to be a little careful. Like, so I'll go in, spend. Don't, don't just. it's ridiculous. Just go in, and and, and I would have gone into me. You know, oh hi Tracy. I see you're an international. You know, I see you're a publicist. Great. You know, if there's anything I can help you with, you know, like if you're a publicist wanting to reach out, or you know, like I'll reach out to people. I'll, I'll find if I'm gonna reach out to somebody. I'll I'll know what they're what they do and who they are and what film they're working on now and then I'll message. Hey, I think there's a connection here if you ever want to chat, I think I could do this. You know what I mean? Not like, Hey, we make websites. Like how many times a day do you get a, we make websites or we can get your SEO. How many times a day do you get that?
0: Oh, I get it so much. And then like you know, I, I, lo- I love when people message me, but you know, cause like when I, if I, like if I see see you on LinkedIn and, and if I see, Hey, you know, you got a, a new book coming out called get repped, you know, I'm actually going to say, Hey Trace, you know it's nice to meet you. I would love to have you come on the show and talk about your book, and talk about your mission. You know, yeah, it's, to where it's not about me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's never not what about you can do me. For that person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So talk to us about the story because I, 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 I'm, I've been chomping at the bit. To find out <laughs> about the story, because I love human interest story, and and I think that is an inmate Can you please tell us a, l- a bit, a little about bit about Jimmy that story? Yeah.
1: So, my husband Jay Parkinson, myself, we were like entry level sales, just you know, doing our thing in our twenties. We were also activists. We had a radio show uh, on college radio, just local college radio, a couple of years before that. And that radio show was no more, but we were still it was called Uppercut. We were still, you know, kind of information gathering and trying to change the world, like we, we you know, what you do in your twenties. And um, it was the early days of the internet in 1998 by the time we got our computer going and everything. And we thought, oh, we can still, even though we don't have the radio show anymore, we can still have a presence and we can still talk about things that matter and, you know, do justice stuff. Um, Activist stuff, not like criminal justice stuff. We had no idea about the criminal justice system in those days. It wasn't a part of our activist work. And in a little corner of the internet, we were making our webpage just looking for cool links to add to our page, um, we found this information about a, a guy who was claiming to be factually innocent on death row in Pennsylvania. And that wasn't part of our world. It wasn't activist work that we'd ever done, so we didn't know, you know, the death penalty at all. And I don't know, you know, people have asked, well, what made you get involved? And I think part of that reason is because mm-hmm. not only were we activists, but because we'd had that radio show not long before, so we were still thinking of ourselves as, you know, information gatherers. And um, so for some reason, We decided we not only, you know, wrote an email, we wrote a letter, we wrote it because you couldn't email death row. We wrote a letter, put a stamp on it, went to the post office, mailed it and sent it off to this stranger on death row asking, well, just what's this all about? How innocent can he be? And Jimmy Dennis got that letter and he wrote back 18 pages, you know, single spaced on both sides. Um, with all the legal documentation that was in his cell at the time, and even that was, another, even just that, show the description was way off. From the offender. The, the, the few pages that he was able to send right then, we were like, wait a minute, this is really wrong. So then, what do we do with that information? Because we're not lawyers, we're not publicists. We, you know, we don't have two pennies to put together. We're just young, entry level, sales, whatever. You know what I mean? We're barely scraping by. But we've asked this person who's desperate for this information now. Why? Was it just for fun? so now that we have this information that we believe that he's in it, we're like oh my god what do we do now again we're not publicists we don't have any money we can't buy a lawyer what do we do so we thought oh okay i guess we could put this on the internet we were so naive at the time we didn't even ask for permission you know putting legal documents on the internet we wrote them back oh look we put this on the internet on the what now <laughs> anyway so we sent him copies of the web page and our idea was basically if we put it up there's somebody who has more power than us or has you know maybe a lawyer somebody can help who's going to see it we just spread the information and somebody can help. <clears throat> well that was the beginning of a night It became a 19 year campaign for us. It was the 6th year that he was already on death row when we met him. He was convicted in 1992 <coughs> for excuse me <coughs> for a 1991 killing of a girl called Shadel Williams who who was you know tragically shot for gold earrings outside of a Philadelphia subway station. And Jimmy, you know, did <clears throat> not fit the description by height, by weight, by coloring. And that was only the the beginning of that, you know, the only end, the only the beginning entry point to what the case was so wrong. So anyway, we put all that information online. <clears throat> My husband learned to, you know, make a, a web page. And I literally learned to write a press release on the Alta Vista, because I thought, well, how can we get this out? Okay, well, I guess we got to tell the media. So I wrote a press release after learning, you know, four immediate release, three paragraphs, contact information. And we sent that out around the world. And the first way it didn't get a lot of attention in the states because back then there were no wrongful mm-hmm. conviction podcasts. There was not all that stuff didn't exist. Once the doors were shut, you were convicted, and you know, good luck with that. But we got some attention around the world. We got like you know, everywhere from Turkey, believe it or not, to Holland, to to Germany, to Australia, and slowly we got a little group of other you know, committed people as committed as we were, probably about 20 strong. At different times, it was, you know, bigger and smaller, but about 20 strong, that really became the support team. And Jimmy would call us that. We still talk every day, by the way, now that he's free. Jimmy would call us, you know, from prison for his 15-minute call every week because his family didn't have long distance. And he'd tell us, okay, can you do this, do that? Can you call my family? Can you let the girls know this? Can you let my mom know this? All that stuff. So we became his support system, as well as continuing to to bring all this attention to the world, you know, let the world know what was going on. A couple of years into that, three years in, in in 2001, the unicorns came. Things that don't happen. It only happens in movies. The, the the crusading lawyers that were looking for a case of actual factual innocence, because of the work we'd done, making so much noise for three years, when they were looking a Washington law firm looking around the country for a case of factual innocence, they could, you know, put their pro bono team behind which again doesn't happen very often they a lot of people told them jimmy dennis jimmy dennis because of all the noise we made and so then they started their work which was a 17 year battle because that's how long it takes and they started uncovering more and doing the courtroom thing and bringing him through the courts and he was finally released in 2017 and now he's uh it's an even crazier story from there because before he was convicted, he was just about to sign a music contract. He was an r and artist as a young man, age 21. And it, the first thing he did when he came out, pretty much, was went right back into the recording studio, which is making history because there's no other artist who has been 25 years innocent on death row, came out and started recording music. He's recorded and released. He's recorded a bunch, but he released four songs now. He's been on BET, Rolling Stone, Sirius, FM, and... Um, I mean, a lot, I mean The media industry is taking him super seriously. There's conversations going on now about recording contracts and not just as a nof- not 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 as a novelty act and movie contracts and all this crazy stuff. So, <laughs> a lot, you know, 20 years ago we were penniless salespeople, and by the time he gets out, we've somehow you know because na- it hit me in what was it in uh. 2000 2011 when i was 41 13 years after i wrote that press release for jimmy hey you know what this this media work that i've been doing because we ended up on cnn on msnbc on court tv you know all this stuff talking about the death penalty as 28 year old actors with no media history and no legal history we're on all those major shows and i realized that was just my messaging so um it hit me that I, you know, I could utilize that uh, those skills that I developed doing that advocacy work and kind of build a career out of it. Not the death penalty stuff; I would never want to get paid for that. But the because um, that was activist work. But the um, the skills that I used there, I could use to do what I do now: do messaging for businesses, for creatives. Learn to, you know to do what other people don't know how to do, which is get media attention. So by the time he came out, I'm a publicist, and he's going back into the recording studio. So now we're like, okay, there you go. So isn't that funny? 20 years ago, you know, you're some death row prisoner nobody's listening to, and we're penniless salespeople, and now you get out and you go back into the recording studio, now you're a acclaimed RB artist, and wow, we're your PR team. <laughs> so we joke that, like, it's funny. We've been as publicists for 25 years. We weren't even thinking about it. Not that then. we weren't public we weren't you know media people we were just activists trying to free him and now we're like okay so now we're just you know now we joke that our biggest problem now like when he's PTSD or a little depressed or you know because life is hard and 25 years on death row is no joke I always get him laughing I'm like oh well you know our biggest problem right now is whether our our gray is showing in the zoom (laughs) (laughs) you know
0: I would would definitely love to have him come on the show so that would be amazing um so now talk to us because you know i love books i've i'm I'm only a ninth grade. i only have a ninth grade formal education but i've read over five thousand books in my lifetime
1: and i always have like
0: five or six going oh my god
1: you're like me yeah i graduated from high school but you know that was it and i completely self-educated otherwise and i never have you don't see me within without a book and a magazine in my pocket in my purse and another magazine in case i finish the first one so talk to us about get repped. So I always wanted to write a book. Always. And I thought it would be fiction. You know, that's what I was when I will one day, I guess. But um get repped happened because my one of my clients, Louina Bayer, um, of propriety publishing, I helped her make her book a business bestseller, The Thirty Percent Solution, which is a business book about how civility in the workplace actually affects your bottom line and customer attention and um and employee retention. And we made that a business, an Amazon business bestseller. And then she basically asked me to, literally asked me to write the book on PR. So, and she's publishing it under propriety publishing, propriety publishing. So yeah, this, um, that's what I'm doing. I've been doing it for about three years. It should have been done a long time ago, but you know, busy publicist I'll always stop that and start working on my clients' <laughs> projects, um, so. Uh, so I'm just finishing it now, but yeah, that should be out by summer. And that's basically the same. It's the same audience as I've been doing all these podcasts for, which is primarily a business audience to make the entrepreneurs and executives understand why PR is necessary and why they should be considering PR.
0: I can't wait, and um, I hope I get a signed copy when, uh, when absolutely because I, you know, and and usually when somebody sends me a book is that's and I also do a Facebook Live about the book also so that's
1: oh I, very cool let's do that for sure then yeah 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 you
0: know, I, I just love I think because you know I, my book it just uh I put it out last uh I think January and on Monday I think it hit number one for um in Amazon Kindle on substance abuse
1: oh that's brilliant oh and wow that's great
0: and you know it's amazing like a lot of people will, will put a book out and then they hear crickets because they don't realize that just putting a book out there and putting it on Amazon doesn't mean jack.
1: You oh, know? exactly. You have to say you have to promote it. And you know what I always say? And they get so disappointed too, because you know they put all their their money and time and effort into that book, and that's their dream. And then they're like, Well, where, how come no one's seeing it? Yeah, they don't, there's so many books out there just getting lost in the noise. That's why you have to promote it. And a lot of times, those self published, they, they say they're going to do marketing, but really, I don't know what they do because they really don't do the kind of marketing a publicist would do for your book, which is what it needs. And, you know, I know people have, are exhausted once they put that out and they've spent all that money and they, you know, they're just like, Oh, but it's it literally, if you just put a book out and then don't promote it, it's literally literally it's like having a baby and not feeding it literally
0: yep so now if a person okay last two questions i know you got a, a great day ahead and i get to hang out with my nine-year-old daughter today and we're, <laughs> we're going to be doing that whole mcdonald's things today so uh, how do how do a person find you um how do we get in touch with you and if they want to use you as as their publicist how do we find mm-hmm. you
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I do work right across the English-speaking world. So anywhere where there's English-language media, I work. (laughs) Um, And I have more clients, you know, stateside than I do in Canada, and I have clients all over the world. So yeah, please, I'm happy to do a 30-minute consult by phone or Zoom with anybody who wants to hear a little bit more, you know, who maybe would like to be in media, but they're not sure if they could be. Absolutely. We mean you. (laughs) Anybody could get in media. It's just a matter of, you know, knowing how to do it. Um, So... Yeah, you can reach me at lamorimedia.com. You can find me at LinkedIn is a great place to reach me, Tracy Lamori, uh, on Instagram at Tracy Lamori PR Media, at Facebook, Tracy Lamori. And, you know, just tell, them you, tell me that you saw me here or heard me here, and I'd be happy to do a consult.
0: And, of course, I'm going to drop all your links in the, in the liner notes and everything. And then when this comes out, just I put this out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Tumblr. So this kind of LinkedIn, of course. So this, this will hit like 10 different platforms when it does come out. Beautiful. So my, my last question is, you know, we live in a crazy world, COVID world, like we talked about earlier, you know, we got grandparents that are homeschooling kids, <laughs> you know, we got parents that are driving Uber, just trying to put food in their kid's mouth. <laughs> so if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're not likely to do it. But if I ask somebody to take an actionable step, in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if somebody's business is struggling and they know that they're, to be blunt, uh, that their PR sucks, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to write the ship?
1: Yeah, so number one, first thing I would do, second thing I would do is send you to the hero to take a look at that, to kind of start to look through to get an idea, They help a reporter out and source bottle to get an idea of the kind of opportunities that are out there. But before you reach out to any of those media, because you can burn bridges as easily as you can build them, right? Make sure you you have that pitch. So understand what a pitch is and your little paragraph pitch is not your bio. It's what makes you compelling to media. It's a little thing you're sending media to tell them what makes you an interesting interview and the kind of things you could talk about. So for example, when I send Mind I don't just send my little Tracy's an international award-winning publicist. People will be like, that's nice. Who cares? You know, it's got to be, why is that interesting to you? Why is who you are relevant? And so you can maybe suggest a couple of things you can talk about in your field, something that you know about that other people don't know about, something of interest. So have a, couple, a little elevator pitch, not just of your sales and what you do, but of who you are in terms of um, th- start thinking of yourself as a media expert on what you do right there that mindset difference is huge because most people don't think of them they just do what they do and they don't think of themselves as an expert that can be imparting the information of what they do but if you start doing that that becomes a huge you know it, like you're used to marketing that's better than marketing so start thinking about yourself as an expert understand that thought leadership thing and it, all that means is being quoted about your expertise in avenues that exist and so you know first j- build up your confidence in your head to see yourself in that way. And then put that little paragraph pitch together and then check out, help the reporter out. Do that, you know, right after you listen to this podcast, go take a look at it, see the kind of stuff. Cause as soon as you start looking through that, like you did, right. Like I did, you'll be amazed at the opportunities. Everybody is. And then you'll start seeing what you could be, you know, what, where you, where you can, where you can be. I love that.
0: Tracy, thank you so much for hanging out today. Um, I'm truly humbled and grateful. And I think oh, one gosh, thing, you. W- one difference between me and a, a, probably every other podcast out there in the world is um, our relationship just starts today and I'm all about building lifetime relationships.
1: So- nice. same. Yep. You never know how we'll be able to help each other or just, you know, friendship helps each other. <laughs> so, like-
0: so thank you so much have an amazing weekend. And, guys, if you need anything PR, definitely reach out to Tracy. She's going to turn your world around, <laughs> turn your business around, and she's good people. So, Trace, thank you so much and have a beautiful weekend. Thank you. Take
1: a good right. care.
0: God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.